This is the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. This is where it all counts. This is why we're here. This is why each one of us are here. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to another edition of the Saturday to Sunday Football Podcast. I am Paul Pertichese, and thank you for joining me as always across the way. Joining me back this evening is Mr. Jeff Abercrombie. Jeff, Senior Bowl is in the books. Shrine Bowl is in the books. The page now turns to the next part of the pre-draft process, which is the NFL Combine in a couple weeks. But here at Saturday, Sunday, we're still processing, digesting, watching film from the Senior Bowl, the game, the practices, reading reports from people who had firsthand experience down there, kind of making sense of it all. How are you doing this evening? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Uh, I mean, the pageantry has started, right? And um, each step we go closer and closer to the NFL draft, the hyperbole will continue to ring louder. So why don't we just go right into all of those hyperboles? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the Super Bowl is being played in a couple of days, but it's like the offseason is already kicking into gear. There are cars going to visit the Saints and they might work out a trade. Like there's so much stuff going out there. Sean Payton's the coach of the Broncos now. Lots of moving pieces. Teams still looking to fill their head coaching position. So a lot going on. But tonight we're going to focus more on what took place last week down in Mobile, the Senior Bowl. Always a lot to to digest and, and process. So let's get right into it. I think my overarching thought was in terms of draft caliber prospects, I think this was one of the weaker classes we've had recently down at the Senior Bowl. Doesn't mean there's not going to be plenty of players drafted on day two, and obviously tons and tons of players drafted on day three. Valuable pieces that are going to turn into relevant contributing NFL players. But we didn't have the marquee quarterback. We didn't have the star wide receivers there this year. So I feel like it was a little bit lackluster in terms of star power. And I think nowhere was that seen more obvious in the quarterback position. And when I did the preview last week, I talked about each of the guys a little bit. Malik Cunningham and Jay Kaner and Jaron Hall, Tyson Badgett making the step up from Shepard, you know, Max Dugan, Clayton Toon. And I got to be honest with you, from the the practices that I watched, from the stuff that I watched, and then even in the game, I kind of left feeling the same way as I went going into it, that I don't think there's a top 100 pick coming from the quarterback position for the senior bowl. I think guys that I had question marks about, I still have question marks about. I didn't love Max Dugan's film. I know TCU had a, had a nice run this year, but I didn't think Max Dugan's skill set really translated to be a, a prospect that was considered a top 100 guy, a starting type guy. And I think he battled a lot of inconsistencies this week. A lot of the ball placement and accuracy issues, I think we started at. I think we started Clayton Toon really struggle. Uh, you know, obviously great collegiate statistics, but didn't really put together a week to kind of generate the buzz that I think some people maybe thought he could have generated down there. I think Hendon Hooker, obviously, if he was healthy, could have generated some buzz. I think the guy with the best arm talent was Tyson Badgen out of Shepard. But that step up in competition, I think, you know, he looked a little bit out of place at times, even though the, the physical traits, I think, are there. I think he looked like a little bit maybe he should have been more at like the Shrine Bowl and maybe a guy like Aiden O'Connell or somebody like that maybe should have had his place here at the Senior Bowl. So I think he's an intriguing day for Guy because he's got some tools. He's got the arm talent. He's got the prototypical size. Uh, but when you see a guy come from a small program like Shepard to the senior bowl, you want to see him just kind of seize the opportunity and be like, yeah, he stands out. Didn't matter that he played at Shepard. He could play. And I think while the physical traits are there, I think there's a lot still uh, of development there needed. So I don't think he's a guy that rose. Jerron Hall was the guy who was my favorite coming into the week. And he's still on film is my favorite of the group that was there, not counting Hendon Hooker, but he didn't play in the game. Sounded like he left after the practices even in the practices that I saw and from the reports I read, it sounded like it was a very up and down, inconsistent week. So I think Hall, while I had him on that round three, round four border, I kind of feel like he's probably going to be more early day three or in that mix, a round four, round five guy. I'm not sure the pre-draft buzz is. I think if it was going to start building, the senior bowl would have been the place, especially with a weak crop. So I, 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 I think Hall's more going to be a, a Dave Free guy now than a guy who I thought maybe could have been in consideration for late round three. 
And then the guy who won the MVP of the, the game, I think was the best quarterback there last week in terms of the practices. But in that straight caner out of Fresno State, a, a guy who I know that you've talked about, you know, from months ago, you know, and before the season even started as a guy that piqued your interest. Uh, I think he was the best down there. I think he's the only one that I think could slip into late round three. I still would think of, you know, by the time the draft projection notebooks comes out, my gut feeling is he probably is round four, but I think he's the one guy that the the conversation is there. I think the success of Brock Purdy this year, I think that at times success of a guy like Taylor Heineke, I think teams could look at him as, listen, maybe we get a guy who could be an average starter, a spot starter, or if not a high end backup. And I think some teams are willing to invest in that late round three uh, and if not early date three. So I think Hayner was the guy. I think I saw a little bit more arm talent than I thought he had. So I so I thought Hayner showed a little bit more arm talent. Uh, we know he's got toughness. He's got some good accuracy. Uh, I like his game. I think he throws a good anticipation and touch. So I think he probably was a little bit of a stock up from the senior bowl. And I think all the other quarterbacks – were probably stocked down is kind of how I gathered it. So, Jeff, any thoughts on, on this quarterback group collectively uh, from either what you saw or just what you, you know, thoughts on these guys collectively? Well, well, from maybe just an overarching principle of, you know, the Senior Bowl, and we can extend this out to any of these other offseason events with, you know, the combine, everything leading up to the draft is we're really only looking for things that, really stand out as maybe we've missed something here, right? Is it's not like, uh, I don't think we expect someone to change and suddenly get better in a one week period. I mean, this is a great opportunity for them to, but again, like the combine where maybe somebody has better or worse, um, athletic measurables than what we might otherwise have thought we would have seen on tape, you know, same thing with the senior bowl practices. I think, from the quarterback position, it's it's almost more of of confirmation of of that we that what we have known going in was pretty accurate and and that's not a bad thing, right? Uh, it's really hard when you see disparate information. I think with all of these guys, we knew nobody was really going to come in and challenge for you know a, a, even like a like a like you said, they they might make their way into day two, but we're not talking like round two, which, you know, we, we think of, you know, Drew Locke was round two, right? That's kind of like your, where the fringe NFL starters are, are selected. And so, you know, I think you spelled it out really well. You know, I think there are things that, you know, when I talked about Jake Hayner earlier in, you know, at, before the season and, and in mid season, you know, there were things that step out that stood out that just kind of, you know, grab your attention, right? Like, um, you know, the way that he could will his team to victory through injury, making big time throws under pressure in the fourth quarter, right? Like, so you you just take a mental note of that. And, and then you start to see that it, it's really hard to measure the intangibles, right? They're intangibles. Um, but I think you mentioned Brock Purdy, you mentioned Taylor Heineke. You know, this is, I think we're, we're looking at players here who are making their case for NFL rosters, right? Like active NFL rosters and the opportunity to lead their teams to victory when they're asked to and need to and get called up, right? I mean, we just saw the 49ers go from fourth string Josh Johnson to fifth string one-armed Brock Purdy, right? Like there will be teams who really need, and, and they'll take a look at that and they'll say, you know, we can't just go into the season with one quarterback. And so it's going to be about how do they fit their system? How do they fit their scheme? What do they think from? I don't think anybody's going to take a look at any of the senior bowl quarterbacks and say, I think this guy will develop into our long-term future. So they're going to look at, they're going to look at things. And I think, I think the athletic traits and everything, they're, they're really nice to have, but I think what's going to weigh in more are those things that, you know, like, 
Jake Hayner had us as MVP, those intangibles that people that that teams really want to see that he picks up on things that he knows where to go with the football. He's playing smart football. And I think those are going to be a little bit hard for us to even just see from practice too, right? What is, what do the coaches want them to do? And, and we see a lot of connections between the NFL draft and the coaches in the senior bowl and, um, and, and those, you know, them finding their players that, you know, they see fit their team. And so that's where I'm going to be paying attention to, but it's going to be in April. Right. Um, and so f- from the quarterback position, I don't think there was a huge takeaway. I'm always a big fan when one of my guys that does a good showing. So, you know, I get, get excited when I see Jake Hayner, you know, really get some of those accolades. But, uh, but again, I don't think there's anything, it's not a big shift to me for him. Right. It's still um, him making his case as, as a good, um, player on the roster who could step in when needed, right? We're not we're not talking about something else here. Yeah, you no, know, it, it almost feels like it's a little bit more of a stock up for Hayner because everybody else was a stock down in in regards to no one really seized the moment or stood out where every day they were getting you know positive practice reports. So it's almost like the other people maybe stock down. Hayner was more status quo, but because the others struggled and had their difficulties it almost maybe made Hayner appear a little bit more stock up so maybe he solidified that late round three round four where we saw a guy like Davis Mills a couple years get drafted you know so maybe he's solidified in that range and for this draft class and for the senior bowl that might be as good as we were going to get right because we didn't have you know the high-end guys down there like we've had in the past you know so so I think this the quarterbacks down there, I think, led to a little bit collectively it just being a little bit, like I said, a little bit of a lackluster, uh, not as buzzy of a senior bowl week as I think we've usually had in the past. Uh, if we transition this over to the running backs, I do think that was the strongest of the offensive skill groups down there. I thought it was a really good class. Why don't we start with the stock up? Because I think there's two guys that really uh, have stock up from down there. Uh, technically three, but one only played practice the first day. So let's start there with Roshan Johnson out of Texas. I think the buzz, more so than just that one day of practice reports where a lot of people were raving about him, but I think the buzz now in, in the community, the buzz from now all the major draft people are now out there sharing their thoughts, sharing their rankings, sharing their big boards. I think the buzz for Roshan Johnson being a day two pick is real. I think, you know, we talked about him in the summer that we liked him. And if he was in a different location, a different program, not behind B. John Robinson, I think we would have, there would have been more national buzz, more draft Twitter buzz. And I think Johnson now has put himself in a position. I keep calling him this year's Ramondre Stevenson. And what I mean by that is Ramondre Stevenson wasn't the starter at Oklahoma. And the NFL really liked them. And we've seen him, you know, have a really nice start to his NFL career. I think Johnson is going to kind of follow that path. I think we've talked about after the top three, this being a little bit of an open running back class, but a lot of intriguing guys who kind of belong in the day two mix. I think Johnson has now pushed his way into the conversation to be a guy who can come off the board somewhere on round three, right? We, I think just natural talent the case can be made. He's more talented than some of the guys we've seen sneak into round three over the last couple of years, whether it's, you know, uh, Brian Robinson last year, a uh, different style player, but you know, Rashad white went in round three. I, I think you can make the case that Roshan Johnson is a more complete player. So I, I think he's now in the mix there in round three. If he doesn't go around three, I think early portion of, of, of day three. So I think stock up on him, but then the guys who played all week, I think it was clearly, uh, Tajay Spears and Eric Gray were the two running backs generating the most buzz. Eric Gray won the running back uh, player of the week down there in Mobile. And the buzz for him is from major media is starting to grow. I know Lance Zerline has him ranked pretty highly, has him head of Spears in his, in his film analysis. Uh, Dame Brugler had him in, I think, I think in that 11-12 range and said that if he makes it to... Round four, he's going to be a real value for somebody. Uh, so I think people are starting to come around. Um, Danny Kelly, 
who we've had on the podcast. Hope to get him back this year. I've been talking to him a little bit in the Twitter DM world. And he just started kind of digging into Eric Ray like before the Senior Bowl. And he was a fan of his. So I think a lot of people are starting to be intrigued with the skill set of Eric Ray. Then he wins running back player of the week down there. Uh, the reports are positive. So I think stock up on Eric Gray. I think he's firmly in that round three, round four mix. And then Tajay Spears, from what I saw, was the best running back down there. Uh, explosive, the footwork, the change of direction, the burst, the acceleration. Uh, he really shined down there. That Now I think he's really pushed his way. That Maybe he's a top five, top six, top seven running back. He's also... I was a little bit late to watching his film too. So he, I might've had him pretty high prior to the senior bowl, but the senior bowl week and then watching some film, you know, to get a better feel for him completely has him well up there in the rankings. I think he's going to be a guy now who's locked into somewhere on day two with his production in college, his film in college, and then kind of checking off the boxes, the senior bowl. I expect him if the medicals check out the combine, because I think I think there's some medicals with him that got to check out. But if they check out, I think you're talking about a guy who we're going to see go somewhere on day two for sure. And I think so him and Gray and Roshan Johnson, I think we're the three top guys uh, for this week, for, for this event that really shine. So Jeff, let me bring you back in on those three guys before I'll, I'll mention some other things about the running backs. A- any thoughts on Johnson, Spears, Gray, uh, those, that trio. Yeah. I mean, I think the thing that impresses me most there is, is the improvement that Eric Gray has shown, right? I I've been slightly critical of, of his tape from his, uh, previous year. And, and I think what we've seen both as the season has progressed and then as he's carried this into, you know, a, a, a stellar start to, you know, this pre-draft process is that he's, he's grown and developed as a runner and, when you pair that, I'm always worried when there's a really good open space player and they have, you know, enough birth at burst and athleticism, you know, to be able to make big plays on a college field that, you know, that's the steady diet that they go on, right? They, they eat that junk food all through college and that's the, you know, they try to carry that into the NFL with them. And I think it's really, it. I'm reticent because I see very often, you know, them not develop their game into, you know, solid fundamentals. And that's the type of development that we've seen out of Eric Gray. And that bodes really well because he's got the tool set uh, to be a good player, to, to be able to make big splash plays on the field on Sunday as well. So, so that's, you know, one of the things that I'm really paying attention to because he's been a huge riser for me as well. And then, yeah, I mean, I, I we were on the buzz for Roshan Johnson before the season because you know we you're very plugged in to the undercurrent of NFL draft evaluation, right? Like you are on it with those draft notebooks, and you're on it from a year ahead of it, right? And and that's why we had Roshan Johnson there is we knew that that buzz was there even if it wasn't in the media, and so all we're seeing now is the media catch up to to where NFL evaluators seem to be so so he's he's this is one of those ones where it's confirmation bias again but uh we're just we're just opening under the hood we're, we're you know the media is finally getting to take a peek at and the NFL's finally starting to show its cards a little bit and and we're we're reading what we read in the summer with you know and so that's really good I mean that, that's great I, I'm really excited that you know, being playing behind Bijan is not going to slow this kid down. Um, that, that's phenomenal. I mean, if he has a Ramondre Stevenson-like career, wow, I, that'd be really exciting. Um, I'm rooting for him. I'm keeping my eye out on there. I, I again, I'm not sure that we have enough there to really know if that'll translate. You know, you'd like to see a solid amount of reps. You'd like to see a solid track record and, and trusted production all the way through, but it's not, it's not always a player's fault, right? Um, He can only do as good as he can with what he's given. And in, in, in Roshan's case, I think he's with this senior bowl, especially he's, he's taking his 
he's taking his a uh, uh, seizing his opportunity here, you know, to really start to make his case now that Bijan's out of the way, right? Or so to say. And then again, if you're not on Taijay Spears, uh, your head's somewhere in you know burrowed under the sand because it has been Taijay Spears week, Taijay Spears month ever since uh, you know the calendar rolled into February. Yeah, and. You know, one guy who I didn't mention in that in that trio, who I still think is a legitimate shot to go on day two, also is Kenny McIntosh. Uh, he, what I think about Kenny McIntosh is I think now some of the other running backs maybe stood out and impressed a little bit more in this setting. But I think the the fact that I still think he's probably the best pure pass catcher in this class, I think is going to ticket him for round uh, for day two. You know, we saw Rashad White go there last year. I think Kenny McIntosh, he checked in at a good weight. Uh, I think people maybe are a little bit uh, off on who he is as a player. He's not like this super, super like scat back type player. He's more suited for almost like a gap type scheme. I think there's some vision concerns. I don't think the natural run instincts are great. I think, but but I think in terms of gap run scheme, Really great, good to great pass catcher out of the backfield. Uh, you know, obviously coming from Georgia, the Georgia pedigree right now, it's a real thing. It matters. We see the Georgia guys go high. So so I think the burst, the, the athleticism, the pass catching ability uh, is going to ticket him for, for round three. I just think some people, when they think of a great pass catcher, they always asso- want to associate that with like the smaller scat back, like, you know, foot in the ground, sharp cuts. That's not really Kenny McIntosh's game. So I think some people who are maybe just starting to watch him a little bit might think that that like that's kind of who he's penciled in as, but that's not really his game. But I do think uh, he's still ticketed for possibly day two. Chris Rodriguez down there out of Kentucky. Intriguing player. I just don't think the senior bowl really does well for a guy like Chris Rodriguez, a guy who is going to be about, power, physicality, you know, finishing ability, play strength, contact balance, all that stuff. You're not going to see much of that in, 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 in practices. Right. So I, I think there's, he's a guy who is definitely going to be more of a day three type player. Uh, we've had conversations about him. I think he's a good player. I think he's more of an early down player. Uh, you know, probably starts out as depth, maybe works his way into a part of a committee if given the opportunity, but it's going to be a deep running back class. So a guy like Rodriguez is going to fall a little bit. And I think the other guy was interesting down there was uh, Evan Null out of Northwestern. Sorry, Evan Hull out of Northwestern, you know, 5'11", 210, really good receiver. You know, we just talked about McIntosh, you know, Hull had 55 catches this past year, 546 yards. This is a guy who I think, He's going to be somewhere on day three because he's a good pass protector and he's really good in the pass game. So, you know, that's a guy that's going to intrigue teams uh, with his receiving skills. I don't think he's going to, you know, the reports were that he's going to run sub four five at the combine. I would be very surprised if he runs sub four five. I think he, I think he's more, you know, I don't think he's a four, four something guy, but you know, that would surprise me and that would probably help his dress stock even more. But, but I think he's a guy that was down there at Mobile who, due to his receiving capabilities, probably a good special team type guy too, uh, and his pass protection is a guy who's probably going to find his way, uh, you know, to, to be draftable. And, you know, and I, thought, I think that, you know, stands out there when, when you have that type of skill set. And the other big name that I didn't bring up was, was Chase Brown out of Illinois. We know we had a tremendously productive year. The reports – were not good for Chase Brown down there. You know, I, I watched some of his practice. He was horrendous in pass protection. You know, besides that, I thought it was a, you know, I don't think anything else was glaringly bad. It just didn't stand out. A guy with his production, a guy who was on Bruce Feldman's freak list. Uh, I think it was a little, it was an opportunity for him down there to make a name for himself. His brother was one of the stars down there on the defensive side of the ball generating a lot of buzz, but, but, but Chase did not, he wasn't the one being talked about like Tajay Spears and Eric Gray, you know, and even Roshan after that, that first day. So it's going to be a big, big combine for Chase Brown, because I think, you know, people expect a big time athlete, especially being on that uh, Bruce Feldman's freak list. 
They want that to match the production. He's not really much of a pass catcher right now. He's functional at best. Uh, So I think he has good receiving production, but I don't think that's going to be his bread and butter like Kenny McIntosh. So to me, it's going to be interesting to kind of see because a lot of the reports were negative down there, like really negative. People, you know, a lot of people on, on, on Twitter, I felt were really going hard against how bad Chase Brown looked. And uh, I, I think he's still got a shot to be in that round three, round four mix. Uh, but I think he needs a big combine for sure. So I think a little bit stocked down on him, uh, a little stocked down on Chris Rodriguez. The guys we talked about before obviously stock up on them. And I think a guy like Kenny McIntosh was about neutral. So do you have any, any thoughts on either Brown or McIntosh or any of the other guys that is kind of hit on? Yeah. And you know, Cameron people's just kind of the other guy there who, you know, I don't think, you know, really, you know, if you're not standing out at the senior bowl, you're kind of treading water there. Um, Chase Brown. Well, I'd like to go back to, you know, our preseason, um, you know, preview list. But, you know, I think the thing with Chase Brown is he's a really good reactioner. Like his, his reactions, his, his split into instincts are like, uh, you know, lightning quick, but it's not laced together in a really concrete plan. And I don't know if that is an immaturity that he can, you know, develop over time, or if there's a lack of sensitivity there to, you know, the stimuli he needs, you know, to be able to, you know, to plan, you know, three steps ahead. And instead of reacting to just what's right in front of him, he might have stimulus overload. Right. And Mm -hmm. I think when it comes to the senior bowl reports, it might indicate to me more like that, more like the latter there where, you know, if coaches aren't, you know, happy with, you know, having him, you know, how, teaching him, you know, what cues to run off of. And he's not able to put that together contextually and still run. I mean, he's phenomenal. He can, he could uh, get surprised, right, by a, by a D lineman coming out of nowhere and be able to just have this evasive maneuver that, that springs him. The problem is it's it's not integrated into how that attacks the second level or where the backside pursuit might be coming from, you know, et cetera. And I think that's one of those things where coaches can really get driven crazy. Um, so that might be one of the other other things we're we're seeing there. Um, and it'll it, it'll depend on his combine, I think, to see if he can really make up some ground. Yeah, I, I think you know he's got to live up to being that that athlete that put him on Bruce Feldman's freak list. If he has that with the production, he's still going to be drafted considerably high, whether that's round three or round four. But if he checks in as a good athlete and nothing more, and then there's some other questions like you were bringing up, I think that in a deep class could push him down the board a little bit, right? To like round five or something like that. Uh, You know, so it's going to be interesting with that. Why don't we transition this over to the pass catchers? And I actually want to start with the tight ends because I think there's a little bit more intrigue with the tight ends down in Mobile than even uh, the wide receivers. And the big winner of the week, you know, I think is just the rise continue, the continued rise, I should say, of Luke Musgrave. For a guy who only played two games, you know, this past season due to injury but he was a guy we talked about before the season started that the nfl was really high on before the year even started he was another guy i'm pretty sure that was on bruce feldman's freak list uh this tight end class including the underclassmen is shaping up to be one of the better collective classes and i one of the first things that has caught me really by surprise from the major draft people is just how high they all are on this tight tight end class. And I don't know if it's a partially because of the question marks surrounding the wide receivers. Maybe it's a down draft altogether. I don't have a a complete sense of that just yet, but I kind of feel like maybe it is Uh, because somebody like Lance Erland, who I respect tremendously has Luke Musgrave as his first, as his number one tight end in his, his first mock that dropped today. I think he had him going like 15 to green Bay, I believe as the, as the first tight end off the board. 
his blurb about Dalton Kincaid was that Dalton Kincaid might not make it to the Jaguars pick because the NFL loves him. He's Daniel Jeremiah's number ninth rated player on his big board. Ninth overall, not ninth tight end, ninth overall. So only eight players in the whole draft class right now, Daniel Jeremiah thinks are better than Dalton Kincaid. So right there, then Michael Mayer, who we all thought was clear tight end one, might not be anymore because major draft people, Luke Musgrave, Dalton Kincaid, somebody else might like Darnell Washington. We're looking like we have four legitimate guys who could go in round one. Now, I'd be surprised if all four do go in round one. My guess is maybe three and one falls, but I but it just shows you how highly regarded this class is. I didn't think this was a class that was going to rival the class of OJ Howard, David Njoko, and Evan Ingram, just from the buzz and the athleticism and, and the draft capital. But it's possible we could supersede that. And I didn't see that coming, uh, you know, during this college football season. I thought it was Michael Mayer, you know, and, and then Darnell maybe late one, early two, and then everybody else settling in. But, you know, there's other guys that we haven't even talked about. Sam Laporta, he was in down Jeremiah's top 50, you know, and then also, mm-hmm. you know, Tucker Kraft. But going back to Musgrave, I think this week he showed why I think the ceiling on him might be higher than any of these other tight ends because he really is the prototype if you're going to try to create the perfect tight end in terms of he's got the size, he's got the frame, he's got he's got top-level athleticism, he could catch the ball, and he can block. And we don't see a lot of those coming out with all of those traits, right? We see some of those traits. We see more pass catcher than blocker, or we see, you know, pass catcher in a wide receiver's body, but listed as a tight end. So I think the allure of a guy like Musgrave is NFL teams, whether we want to admit it or not, they like to say, and they probably say, this guy maybe could be this. And my guess and my gut is say is people are looking at Luke Musgrave and they're saying, if it all comes together, he maybe could be George Kittle, who's the most complete tight end in football. To put in that on any prospect is it's crazy because, you know, George Kittle is a pretty outlier type prospect. But that's how that's how evaluators think in the NFL, right? You're not going to draft Luke Musgrave in round one and be like, yeah, I hope he's a good tight end because I don't think you're shooting for good tight end in round one. I think you're shooting for great. I think when teams draft a tight end in round one, they're looking for great. They're looking for, or, or they're looking for a rare difference maker in the pass catching game, AKA Kyle Pitts, what the Giants thought they were getting with Evan Ingram, et cetera, et cetera. So I think the allure of Luke Musgrave is that he's maybe the most complete tight end, right? He's a really good blocker. So is Darnell Washington. Darnell Washington's got all this theoretically pass upside. Musgrave has had a little bit more success. So I think Musgrave and Washington is kind of like that thing. So I think that's kind of the allure with Musgrave. Uh, the other guy who I thought really had a good week down there was Payne Dorham. And I, I got to watch him a little bit before, uh, the senior bowl weeks kicked off and really great size and frame, really good production this year for Purdue, really good blocker play strength, hold can hold the point of attack. The athleticism is only average movement skills, only average, but he does a tremendous job using his body to create space at the catch point, create that late separation, uh, I really saw in the one-on-ones that I watched down at the Senior Bowl, I really was impressed with Payne Dorham. I think he's a guy who will be in that early round four, maybe sneaks in the round five, but I think he'll be in that like round four, round five mix. But I think he's a guy who could be very quickly developed into a good second tight end with upside to be more. So he stood out down there for me. Uh, I don't think anyone else stood out too much. I was hoping to see a little bit more from Cameron Latou down Mm -hmm. there. I like him from, you know, on film, uh, but he didn't, I, nothing, nothing made me change my take that I think he's more of like a round four guy. I think he could be a solid, you know, tight end two, maybe develop into a little bit more. Uh, I wanted to see a little bit more from Davis Allen out of, Clemson, he was a guy I didn't really have a lot of eyes on, but 6'6", 250, so he's got really good size frame, good production. I think he's another guy in that early date remix. Uh, Josh Wiley out of Cincinnati's got great size. 
you know, he bulked up to like 260, I saw. So that's a big thing. One of my concerns in the summer was he was like 6'6", but he was only like 240. And there was a lot to, to fill out in that frame. Uh, but he's got he's a pretty good pass catcher. So I think there's a couple other guys down there. Obviously, Wiley's going to get drafted somewhere in day three. Davis Allen's going to draft an early round, uh, early day three. Latou's going to be early day three. Uh, Mallory, probably more of a late day three guy. And then if you're looking for like an H-back type of player, Braden Willis out of Oklahoma is an intriguing player. He's only 235, so he's definitely more of a move tight end or an H-back. But he's got some pass catching ability, almost 40 receptions this year, over 500 yards and seven touchdowns. So I thought it was a pretty good class. But I also just kind of wanted to start there with the talk of Musgrave. I think he's got a real shot to be the first player selected from the Senior Bowl. Uh, and just also, you know, talk about the, the tight end group as a collectively, because that's been one of my early takes from from seeing the major draft media guys come out with their stuff is just how high. It's not one guy, it's everybody. And I think that speaks volumes on what they're hearing from the their NFL people on just how highly regarded this tight end class is. Yeah, you know, maybe just two kind of random thoughts because I think you summed that up really well around the players. So one, you know, I, you know, Daniel Jeremiah, I don't believe he uh, adjusts for positional value when he, when he puts his list down. Right. And um, you know, it was a big question around Kyle Pitts, right. Is, is tight end really worth, you know, a top pick like that similar to his running back worth that top of pick, right. What do they, what are their second contracts? Like, what do you have to pay them? Right. You don't have to pay tight ends the same. You have to pay a wide receiver or you have to pay a tackle. And, that'd be a question on just how high is it really worth taking a tight end? You know, was, you know, was, uh, you know, was Kyle Pitts worth pick for, you know, was uh, TJ Hawkinson worth pick eight, you know, was, you know, again, you mentioned the the OJ Howard, Evan Ingram, David Njoku class, right. And it's, I don't, I think it's because they were drafted so high that people consider them busts, but it's not like they've been, it, they just haven't failed to they failed to make a standout impact that's worth a day one pick that's the biggest thing right there and so you know if, if we were to go with a lofty comparison for Luke Musgrave of George Kittle I'm pretty sure any team would would happily spend a top 10 pick if they knew that's what they were getting a top five player at the position in the league that's a really tall task because we we don't know that, that there's a lot of development we're projecting and we don't project development well. And so I think you have to take those swings. It's where do you take, like wh- where is that value for you to start taking them? And, and so that's what we're going to find out. You know, I, I think the NFL continues to draft them higher than you would if you were doing the money ball analytics side of of what a pick is worth and what, you know, which position you should take with that pick, you know, we see that kind of scattered around each draft. So I think we're still going to see them go high. And and that is a surprise. And that'll lead me to my second thought, which is, you know, if you do your rookie drafts, like draft Twitter, you know, the, 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 the community out there has not caught up to the fact that there are, that these tight ends are really, potentially going to be the highlight of of all of the positional um you know all of the skill positions right i mean i know we have a phenomenal talent at running back you know a lot of depth of talent there and and i think that's pretty spectacular especially with some headliners but i don't think there's going to be you know enough in that middle class to really you know, steal the show when you start talking about four tight ends and the top 50 picks, right? And so what we might come out in April is a completely different narrative than what, you know, everybody's preparing for in their rookie dress right now, or, or everybody's projecting at the moment. And if you're you know, if there's an opportunity for you to capitalize on that, if your rookie draft is before the NFL draft, these tight ends are are getting slept on, you know, we're not adjusting fast enough, right? Like immediately all of those guys that we mentioned, those top four should be probably in at least the second round of your, of your rookie draft pick. If they're going to be going in the top 50 picks in the NFL draft, they're worth 
you know, that upside there. And so that would probably be my only other takeaway is I think we're a little bit slow, you know, we being a community uh, and the draft community, the fantasy community, the, you know, the Twitter community out there scouting um, a little bit slow on the uptick to really adjust what that, what all of this buzz means. Yeah. And I mean, how wild is this? It's not inconceivable. I think it's almost 50, 50 that we have more tight ends drafted in round one than wide receivers. Like that's where this is headed because we're not going to get five wide receivers and four tight ends. We're not getting nine pass catchers plus B John in round one. We're not getting 10 of them in round one plus four quarterbacks. That's just not happening. We're not getting 14 players that are fantasy guys in round one. Like that would be wild, but it's not happening. We're not getting four quarterbacks, a running back, five wide receivers and four tight ends. We're just not, we're not getting that. So guys are going to fall. And like I said, one tight end could fall. I think right now it's, it could be four, maybe three, but I think the way the narrative is building, it's not going to be one or two anymore. I think now the question is three or four. And I think it's going to be the wide receivers because not that I want to go down the underclassmen discussion right now, wide receivers, but there sure seems to be a lot of nitpicking early in the process with some of the top prospects at the wide receiver position. Quinton Johnson at the top of that list that people are already poking flaws and concerns. And we've talked about it even all during the year that we didn't think there was a top 15 type guy in this. And I'm starting to get the sense that the NFL doesn't either. So then it's like, okay, when they start to come off the board, it's also going to be the time that the tight ends start coming off the board. And like you just said, if a team looks at a guy and thinks that he could be a top five tight end, are they rather going to take their swing there than at a wide receiver? And it's not as strong. They've seen other wide receivers in round one be guys who were looked at as real difference makers right off the bat. So it's going to be a fun conversation with the right, the, the tight ends kind of blending in with the wide receivers in this class in terms of that. So natural transition then right to wide receivers from the senior bowl. Uh, I think the, the two that stood out the most from watching practice highlights, uh, practice reps were clearly Nathaniel Dell out of Houston and Jaden Reed out of Michigan state. So Jaden Reed out of Michigan state is one that I want to start with because he was a guy who I was really intrigued with during the summer. I thought he was one of the top, senior uh, wide receiver prospects. I liked him more uh, than the AT, the AT Perry, the, the Dontavian Wicks. Like Jaden Reed was my guy who I liked more than any of those other senior wide receivers before the season started. I think he can win on all three levels of the field, the athleticism, and, you know, the route running, the separation quickness. He had a little bit of a down year, more, I think more contributed to Michigan State's offense than him. But I think this week he showed what type of player. He's a guy who can win at all areas of the field. You can manufacture touches. He's a return weapon. I think a team's going to really be intrigued with him. I think he's a guy that now is squarely uh, before the senior bowl, especially with the lack of reduction this year. I think most people were looking at him like around four, six, the sixth guy. I think he's now right there in the round three mix. I'm not sure he makes it to round two. But I think he's I think he's squarely a day two guy now. I'd be surprised if he doesn't go in day two. And then Nathaniel Dell out of Houston all week, every practice rep, every report, uncoverable, amazing athleticism, quickness, speed, separation, footwork, all that stuff. Agility, change of direction. But we're, we're going to have to balance that out of the fact that he's 163 pounds. And a lot of people think he played last year like 150-something. So small, really skinny. Now, we saw Wandell last year. But let's not lose sight of the fact that Wandell, while short, was not really a skinny player. He was a pretty well-built frame. So a little bit of a different. I'm not sure Nathaniel Fell. Uh, you know, Tank Dell is obviously the nickname, but I'm not sure his body type. While I understand the comparisons to Wandell, I think the body type and the 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 makeup of the body was a little bit different with Wandell uh, than it is, you know, Tank Dell. But a team's going to be intrigued with him. I just don't know where that comes off the board. Is it round three? I don't think it's round two. 
Is it round three? Is it day three? But he's going to be an intriguing player for a team that wants that kind of player, explosive playmaker, but you got to have a plan because he's not going to be a traditional guy. You got to, you got to figure out how he fits your offense, but the speed, his explosion, his athleticism, you know, he, he was, he was the clear winner, but understand that in the senior bowl, it's almost impossible for defenders to stay with a guy like that, but that's not in the NFL. Well, it's, it's just different when you're playing the team game. So well, this was catered towards thing. Yeah. It's, it's a one-on-one situation. You've got the two way go, right? You're, yeah, the DBs are in an impossible situation, right? Like it is what was wonderful to me uh, was to see the movement skills, right? Like if he can integrate that into a plan where he has less options available to him and, you know, he has to maybe add a little bit more deception to be, you know, to be able to win the one or two paths that he has on that rep rather than the eight to 12 that he has on a, on a one-on-one rep. Um, you know, I think, I think he's showed the movement skills, right? The, the suddenness, the quickness um, that would entice, um, you know, entice us in uh, projecting out uh, what a dynamic player could look like. Um, but yeah, you know, we have to be a little bit, um, I, I really want to probe, probe, you know, someone who was there, you know, and someone who's been there over several years now is, is, is what makes a player, a you know more like a sky more level hype a wandale kind of hype versus a calvin austin you know style i mean people fall you know people see calvin austin doing the same stuff last year fall in love with them they're gonna be the guy and you know you get picked round four and uh you know and it's just one of those ones where we'll, we'll have to see it's going to be a hard path to become a star player in the NFL, a um, regular uh, contributor on the team, you know, versus, you know, versus someone who can fill a role in particular situations. Yeah, I think, I think you're right because, you know, we see guys come, you know, out of, you know, come out of college and, some are drafted where Calvin Austin, some are drafted where Wondell is, right? So, like, I think it's intriguing to, like, kind of, like, say, like, what differentiates them, right? Maybe it's just a team. Maybe last year Wondell go- goes where he goes because for what Brian Dable and that offense wanted, he was the ideal fit. And maybe it'll be a team like that with, with Tank Dell, right? You know, the Rams, once upon a time, thought that Tutu Atwell was worth a pick in the second round, right? Obviously, that really hasn't you know, even remotely panned out this year. He played more than we've ever seen of him. But like, obviously, you know, the size and frame thing, like there's a reason why we talk about it, right, too. So it's, you know, we don't see many people come into the league and have success at that certain size, right? I think what what made Wandell stand out a little bit was he did it in the SEC. He did it as the only, you know, the only person on his offense. I think that maybe a guy like Nathaniel, you know, Tank Dell out of Houston, didn't really go up against many guys who are going to be playing, you know, at the, in the NFL. So maybe that comes into it a little bit, like what Wandell was able to do in the SEC, you know, maybe a little bit of that. Uh, but it's going to be interesting because I think this class has a lot of really intriguing slot guys, right? Like ranking Tank Dell to Rakeem Jarrett, who's kind of been like a forgotten guy. Well, Rakeem Jarrett was before the season was thought like to be a round one, round two guy. And now he's kind of this off the radar, but he's in this draft class. He's going to probably run a four, four, five. He was a highly, I think a five-star high school prospect. Like, like or is Tank Dell going ahead of Rakeem Jarrett now? Like I, I, I have no idea right now of that. I just know there's no buzz on Rakeem Jarrett. He's in nobody's top 10s. He's in nobody's top 15s, you know, in terms of major draft media. You know, so does he generate some buzz in the pre-draft process? Is Tank Dell clearly looked at him as as a superior prospect? I think it's too early to tell. Uh, But I think there's a lot of guys, you know, and Rakeem Jarrett's not nearly as small as Tank Dell. But I was just using there's a lot of slot guys in this class. A lot of guys who profile more slot guys, space, space players, et cetera, et cetera. So it's going to be interesting to see where kind of guy like Tank Dell stands on the opposite side. 
One of the other big winners in stock up, you know, obviously Dell stock up, Reed stock up, was Michael Wilson out of Stanford. And when we inevitably, you know, hopefully get Matt Waldman on the show, you know, he'll be a guy that we ask him a lot about because he he's a fan. Uh, all the reports down there, really, you know, obviously good size, good frame, all that stuff, but really good route runner, really crisp. Uh, the footwork, the movement skills for a man his size, a lot of glowing reports down there. Uh, a lot of reports saying he's also a special teams ace that they think that's already a ticket to be, to go as without a doubt in round four, because he's a guy who can be a receiver, even if he's never a starter wide receiver, he can be a number three or number four and be, you know, a really good special teams contributor. He's got some medicals that obviously got to be checked out. He missed, he's missed a lot of time. Uh, but it was a big week for Michael Wilson out of Stanford, really seized this opportunity to kind of generate some buzz for himself. A guy who I think prior to this, in terms of major draft media people, uh, weren't talking about a lot. Draft Twitter wasn't talking about it at all. Most people were probably said, oh, yeah, late round pick or something like that. And and now I think we're talking probably more of an early day three pick uh, if the medicals check out. So he was another guy stock up on him. Uh, Xavier Hutchinson, I, I kind of wanted to see him stand out a little bit more. I think it was status quo. I have my concerns about him and his ability to get open. Uh, so, you know, he used that body well at, a, at, at an Iowa State. I'm just not sure he's a guy who's going to be able to win consistently on the outside. I think I don't think he did anything to, to solidify his status as a day two guy. I think he's more of a day three guy. Uh, the Andrea Isosovis out of Princeton. Really fast, small school prospect. People wanted to make him out to be like the next Christian Watson in the beginning of the week. From what I saw in the reports that I read, it sounded like he had a lot of difficulty making the transition up to better talent. A lot of issues getting off the more physical press that he probably hadn't seen much. Uh, so I think he's more of a debris guy, late debris guy, maybe. Jonathan Mingo, I, I know some people are fans of him. I think he's I think he's okay. I don't think he stands out in any one particular trait, but I think he has good ball skills. He can win down the field. But, you know, I, I don't think he's a guy who we're talking about in the first couple of rounds. I think we're talking more probably around four type guy. Uh, and then I would say the guy who I think was probably the biggest stock down from what we thought going into the week. And that was Rishi Rice, who I loved on film. And I was expecting him to be the guy that was getting, basically I was expecting him to be what Tajay Spears was at the running back position. Every report glowing, every practice rep I saw dominating. And it just wasn't that. He was a good player down there, but nothing that I saw this week thought to myself, this is a guy who could be a top, who should be, a top 40 pick a late round one to somewhere in the first half of round two. And he was generating some of that buzz. Now I still really like his film, but this should have been an opportunity for him to face better competition than what he faced and show that usually when we see a guy go down there, who's a round one wide receiver or top 50 wide receiver, they shine and they shine all week. We just talked about it it's set up for the wide receivers to win down there. And I just didn't think that we saw the top level skills that I was expecting. Maybe it was just a bad week. Maybe we'll have a great combine, great pro day uh, because the film's good. But I just thought for what was down there, I thought he was going to ha be have the ability to be the clear runaway winner at the wide receiver position. And instead, I, I don't think he helped his stock or even held firm. I think he's a little bit of a stock down right now. And now it's about generating some more of that buzz in the rest of the pre-draft process to maybe get back into that top 50 mix there. I feel like Zay Flowers, who wasn't even there, who went to the Shrine Bowl, been generating a lot more buzz than Rishi Rice. Uh, you know, is, is he a guy who, who leapfrogs him? Is there some other guys that leapfrog mm -hmm. him? Is Jaden Reed now a guy who's going to be talked about ahead of mm -hmm. him? I, I'm not sure. I'm not ready to go there yet as much as I like Jaden Reed because I do really like Rishi's on film. But this should have been an opportunity for him to seize the moment, especially, you know, against better competition. And, and I think he left a little bit uh, out there in terms of what his fans and, and people who like his game really wanted to see. Yeah. Count me and his fans, right? I mean, anybody who's listened for a little while will know that, um, you know, we had that, you know, fun conversation, you know, where we had three guys and it was Ray Shee, Zay and, <laughs> and Marvin Mims. Right. And it was just such a tough pick between them. So, 
you know, and, and I, like I said, Rishi's always kind of been my guy there, but when I let off and we talked about quarterbacks and, and like I said, senior bowl, uh, combine, all of these off season events are to help, you know, shine a light on something new information. Right. Um, and I, I would consider this new information. I, I love what, you know, Rishi Rice is doing on the field. I think you put him in this setting and you put him in, in difficult spots like with press man coverage and and having you know struggles there that that's a red flag right you know that that's some concern that's not you know that's not the Brandon Ayuk profile right there that's more of the Sky Moore style profile right there and and even Sky Moore went round two so maybe that's still kind of you know the floor for Rishi Rice but you know I I don't think we're I think this is one where I'm I've, I'm tempering the excitement, you know, that I've had for him, and I'm watching very closely to see how the NFL is responding. Yeah, I, I think that's the best way to to kind of see, and I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of interested to kind of see how he performs at the combine because now I don't think it's about. Now I think he's got to do something to generate some buzz, whether that's a four four two, a four four flat, something like that. Like if he goes there and he's just okay and he runs a four five or a four four nine, uh I think you're gonna see I think you're gonna see his stock hurt get hurt a little bit more. Because then you're gonna really start having the questions of, well, was his production a part of the scheme, the competition, you know, gaudy numbers, but more of the surroundings than just him itself. And I, and I think this was his first opportunity and his only last time on the field, like against competition to really answer that question. And he didn't really rise up to be that clear, best talented player at the position there, which I think, before the week started, most people would have said, yeah, there's one blue chip wide receiver here who's going to be, I think, a top 50 player. It's Rishi Rice. Uh, he didn't look like the clear blue chip wide receiver there. He didn't even, he wasn't even the best wide receiver there, right? When we just talked about what we saw, Jaden Reed was better. Tank Dell was better. Michael Wilson was better. You know, that's three guys who none of them were generating any of the buzz of Rishi Rice during the season. So was it just a couple of days, you know, maybe not his best. I, I think we'll see. I think we'll see, but it's worth talking about, right? That the teams do put some stock into the senior bowl, right? It's a pretty big event. It's why, you know, it's such a, you know, a populated event with GMs and coaches and, you know, when the coaches get involved, you know, they, these are their first impressions. You know, I think right now trying to sell a coach that Ray Rice should be a top 40 pick would probably be a pretty hard sell if 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 this was their first exposure to Rishi. So so I think that's where this stuff does matter there. Uh, the only other wide receiver I want to talk about was Dontavian Wicks. He was another guy I was hoping maybe really should, uh, stood out and shine there. Uh, but I, I left thinking pretty similar is what I thought from him. Uh, above average, average to above average, athleticism, good ball skills, I think he's more in that round three, round four mix to kind of put him with the A.T. Perry out of, you know, Wake Forest as those senior guys. I like Jaden Reed better than them before the season started. I still like Jaden Reed better than those other senior guys, Wicks uh, and A.T. Perry as well. So there it is, guys. A little bit stock up report, stock down, kind of recapping things from the Senior Bowl. Some things that are out there just from the major drafts guys as they're as they're putting out rankings and updated mocks and stuff like that post senior bowl. Uh, if you're enjoying this content, guys, please get over to the website SS Football, fastest and easiest way to get there. Check out the premium content tab. Check out the for $9.99, you get access to all free premium notebooks. You get the Scotty notebook immediately. I have completely separated it to tabs just for the guys who have declared. You can still see the other profiles and guys who did not declare like Blake Corum and stuff like that. Uh, I've, I've, I've started to add new players to the mix. I have seven more. I think I got to get to, they already are up there and it says full profile coming soon. Uh, I will continue to edit and update the guys that are in there as I watch more film and, and digest everything going on. The rankings notebook is, is fully up to date post senior bowl, uh, in terms of my draft eligible rankings, uh, Debbie rankings, dynasty rookie rankings, 
now that the NFL season has concluded, going into the offseason, they're all updated, my positional dynasty rankings updated, and then I'll be starting to work on, uh, once I finish those scouting reports in the scouting notebook, then I will start working on uh, the draft eligible, uh, the draft tiers for this draft class in terms of the quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end using our uh, created Saturday, Sunday tiers. Uh, and then in April, you obviously get the draft projections notebook, tabs for every position, offense and defense, a snapshot of who they are as a player, their strengths, their developmental areas, all their combine measurements. In order of how we expect them to come off the board from everything we are hearing from the major media uh, and every tidbit that I can find along the way, you get all of it for $9.99. It is the best way to support us and help us continue to do what we do here at Saturday to Sunday. Jeff, any parting thoughts here as we conclude the senior bowl and kind of start turning the page to the next part of the pre-draft process look in in this day of inflation and the notebooks are still 9.99 i don't know i don't know how we do it <laughs> but uh but it is one of those it is one of those things where uh you like what we're looking through now we're gonna go so much more in depth there so yeah so, guys, again, if you've bought it in the past, please consider purchasing it again. If you've been a longtime listener but never have checked it out, uh, please consider purchasing it. It really, it really does help us. Everything we get goes right back in to Saturday, Sunday, getting the subscriptions that we need to do what we do, uh, server fees, hosting fees, all that stuff uh, to help us continue to bring the coverage that we do to you guys. So, on behalf of Jeff, on behalf of our sound tech engineer, David Nakano, and myself, thank you for joining us, and we look forward next time taking you from Saturday to Sunday.